my brother always says when we do the podcast to follow the muse. So this morning in, in celebration of Mother's Day, I'm going to share something with you that's quite personal. I had a dream a couple of nights ago. Uh, in that dream, my son was actually a toddler, like seven or eight years old. And, you know, of course, in reality, he's, he's about to graduate high school and leave us for college. But in the dream, he was like seven or eight years old. And we were trying, my wife and I were trying to enroll him into a private school. And this private school costs like nine, ten, eleven thousand dollars $11,000, something like that per semester. So we were trying to figure out how we were going to get it done. And the reality was we didn't have the money. So I wound up having a conference with this lady and my son was sitting next to her. And she said, we're going to give your son a full scholarship. The full scholarship is actually worth $15,000 per semester. So now in still in a dream, I'm all excited and all jovial. And I'm, you know, my wife and I were happy. And I'm, I remember talking to my grandmother, but then I was re looking for my mother and I was like, okay, she must be at work. And I forgot she's no longer with us. And as soon as I, as soon as I remembered that I woke up and um, I, shared this, I shared this dream with my wife and she told me the lady who you were having a conference with, that was your mother, that's an angel in disguise. So I say all of that to say this to you, happy Mother's Day to all of you, whether your mother is here or in heaven, because she still loves you no matter where she is. With that being said, welcome to episode 30 of the Gospel Truths, the place where we don't waste time, but take advantage of it. This is the place where we don't deny you because of your flaws, but welcome you despite them. Yes, here at the Gospel Truth, we are aspiring to be higher as we speak our minds in pursuit of truth. And for those times when we disagree, it's all good because we do so in love, simply with the goal to grow in spirit. No BS. I am our major, and I don't have my brother in quest, Antonio, here with me this morning due to illness. However, I do have our sister of the show, Lorraine Hopkins, AKA the boss, riding the bull with me this morning. You all may know her from our newly launched podcast, The G6 Summit. And lest I forget the rules of this train, uh, actually, I can't forget because there's only one. God is love and love is God. With that being said, we welcome you to the gospel truth. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. And as you all can hear, there's two. I'm surrounded by women this morning, right? <laughs> On Mother's Day, I'm surrounded by beauty. And before we get started, as you all can tell, I have, as I've already stated, I have, we have rather, a guest host this morning. We have uh, my, our sister of the show, Lorraine Hopkins. She's been on here as a guest. And this is actually, if I have it right, her third appearance here on The Gospel Truth and her first as a guest host. So I needed to make sure I give out these flowers this morning to her. Um, she didn't get the call until Thursday and she didn't hesitate. She just said, yes, I'm coming, right? And uh, Lorraine, don't take this the wrong way. But I just love a woman that doesn't say no, yeah? 
Just so you. Uh, but happy Mother's Day to you all. And our guest this morning. For the first time, I have somebody I've I have a lot in common with as a guest, as far as what she does. She is a singer. She is a songwriter. She plays the guitar. She studied the violin for six years. She has in her catalog about 30, 30, about 30 songs. Uh, she has appeared on America's Got Talent, and that was in 2021. Now, that's her passion, her job, her real day job. She's a nurse, a registered nurse. And yes, she was on the front line in New York. And yes, she was stricken with COVID for two and a half weeks. What I can tell you about her in my brief time knowing her, she is honest, she is daring, she is brave. I think she's also sweet. However, don't mess with her. And also too, there's a tad of bashfulness within her spirit. These are the things that I detected about her thus far. She's also a mother. So again, happy Mother's Day to you. And ladies and gentlemen, her name, Sydney DNA. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. How are you this morning? I'm great. You forgot to mention Delirious. (laughs) (laughs) So I wasn't supposed to work last night. This is Mm -hmm. like my fifth day in a row. So Mm. this is equivalent to me being like, I think like a fifth of vodka. Could you say that again? Oh my God. Oh, I said this is a fifth of vodka. <laughs> that it's like, you know, me being here for after doing a 12 and a half hour shift. Oh so you're going to get extreme honesty from okay. me, you know? Well, you came to the right place for that. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Um, wow. Now, I do have, before we get into you, and I've died to get into you, especially behind working a fifth, 12 and a half hour shift, you said? Yep. My God. This week. Good times. Good times. I got I do have some Mother's Day shout outs I want to give. Um, one to my godmother, Mrs. Virgie Jackson McKinley, my sisters, Letha, Danielle, Miriam, although Miriam is no longer with us as well. Mm. And I have to give out one to my uh how can I put this? Oh girl. That's my wife. Give out, give out one to my wife and also to my daughter who is expecting in about five and a half months from now. Aww. So um, let's, get di- let's get to it. Sydney DNA. The first question I'm going to ask you, DNA. Now I know that's a medical term, right? Yes. So is that what, well, you're going to tell me the, the origin of your name. Um. Basically, well, one, my name is Sydney, my first name. Mm-hmm. Um, and I chose the, the acronym DNA um, because of my songwriting. No okay. matter where it went, no matter what turn I took, you, there's bits and pieces of my DNA in every song um, mm-hmm. where you can kind of see a pattern like, oh, this is something she would do. This is something, you know what I mean? And, and that's like a songwriter thing to some degree. Like they have, like, they leave a little bit of themselves somewhere. Um, like even Sia, for example, you know, like you kind of know, even though Rihanna sang that song, you kind of know that was a Sia song, like, you know, and mm-hmm. it's just, um, it's pretty similar. And I, I like the fact that I can kind of tie it back to myself, regardless of the genre, 
regardless okay. of the the topic you know there's mm-hmm. still something in there that's that i can connect with still okay mm-hmm. all right all right cool so there's a piece of your dna in every song huh when did you start writing um i've been writing since i could write um poems it mainly mm-hmm. was poems and uh eventually when i turned and that's when I started putting it towards music and I'm, you know, then poems became songs. And I started recording when I was 14, um, which was really fun for me. Um, mm-hmm. But that's, yeah. So I've been studio recording for a very, very long time. I'm not okay. going to tell you my age. <laughs> <laughs> so the vodka ain't kicking that much, right? Not yet, not yet. Give me a moment. <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's fine. All right. So let me ask you this crazy question. Um, do you remember your first song? First song you ever wrote? Yes. And what well, inspired it? Um, the first song, well, the first song I ever wrote and recorded. The first song I ever wrote, well, actually, the first song I ever wrote and the mm-hmm. first time I, song I ever wrote and recorded were both about sun, like the sun, summertime or the sun. Like it was about, yeah, the first one was summertime like. Summertime or the sun. Okay. Yeah. So it okay, had something gotcha. to do with like lightness, which is kind of, I never thought about that. Okay. Now, uh, you, you have about 30 songs in your catalog from what you told me. And let's see, what I did was over the last couple of days, I just, go, I just went to Apple Music and I just pressed play when I get to your name, yes. right? So I've listened to <laughs> quite a few. Some of, them have, some of your songs have made their way into my library, library and some of them have made their way into my, some of my playlists. Uh, for example, It's Over. Okay. Uh, it's over. Let's see what else you got. Um, yeah, yo. Ha ha ha. Yeah, you're gonna talk about yeah, yo. <laughs> As a matter of fact, that one just came out last year. Yes. Yes. And wait, do you rap also? I do. Yeah, every. Okay. I heard her do that on one of okay. the songs. Okay. All right. So, so that, is, that is your voice. Okay. Okay. So you got you got a good flow to you as well. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> so when you um when you rap, where does that come from? Is it coming from the same place, or is it just poetry and motion? What is it? Um. Okay. So where that came from, uh, you know what? The person who influenced me to rap was DMX. Like that was like the first album that I ever purchased with my own money. Okay. Um, and I just loved his storytelling, mm-hmm. and um, so I kind of started writing darker poems, and then mm. it turned into like. A rap, and I used to sit in the lunchroom, and there were people freestyling all around me. And I one day I realized there was no women free, there was no girls freestyling. So I went home. I couldn't freestyle the way they did, but I I was like, I'm gonna write something that's gonna turn heads. And all of a sudden, they were about to pass me, like go right over me, like somebody was on the left rapping. They were mm-hmm. about to go to somebody on the right, and I was like, yo, and they were like, whoa, whoa, you know. So mm-hmm. it just so it turned into something really fun, okay. and I kind of just kept it up. But, okay. Yeah, you keep it up. There you go. Yeah. You it's not also release yeah. last year. It's not really because. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Good segue. But um, no, it's not something that I do. Like that's not like I'm not. I, I don't consider myself to be a rapper at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something that I can do. And sometimes I, whatever I feel like doing, I do. I don't mm-hmm. really hold back creative process. Cool. Cool. Um, who are your favorite artists? Um, my favorite artist, one mm-hmm. of my favorite artists is Edith Piaf. Edith Piaf. 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 Okay. Spell that last name? P-I-A-S. P-I-A-S. F is okay. in Frank. 
Um, okay, gotcha. Yeah, so she's uh-huh. she was a French singer. Um, uh-huh. she's deceased now, but okay. I I just I kind of I didn't really grow up to her, but my yeah I guess I did my my mom played her here and there along with a bunch of other things, but I gravitated towards her because she always sounded like she was like never sober. Mm-hmm. And I don't even, you know, it's like, ah, damn. like she's like, you know, almost like that yell, that rant. And she just had like a very ranty type of so- sound. Mm-hmm. And I just really liked it. And I liked the way she can, I liked her vibrato okay. and it was just like, I don't know. It could, it just caught me. Um, more rec- more uh, updated, uh, Jill Scott. Okay. Um, I like the fact that when you listen to her, you can literally picture her mouth moving the way she sounds. <laughs> like if she's singing an E, it's a smile. She, you could tell she's smiling. It's a oh, you mm-hmm. like she 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 follow her mouth literally follows. Some people don't do that. Like a lot of people don't do that. She does, and it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yolanda Adams is another one. Yeah, uh, what, you, what you're so. talking about is a, basically a, a trained vocalist. Yeah, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't know. It's just her, the expression on her face. It's mm-hmm. you can because once you see her, you will never forget what she looks like when she sings. You know, and gotcha. It's, it's gotcha. one of those. Okay, now see the person that I remember. I remember seeing Yolanda Adams perform uh, once on TV, and I'm sitting. I'm not sitting in right like right in front of the TV. But I could mm-hmm. see the I could see the back of her throat. Yeah, that's how that's how her <laughs> mouth was open. You know, as it should be. Tongue was placed at the bottom. Her mouth was shaped like a dome, and all the notes were just coming out crystal clear. And mm-hmm. but I never thought about Jill Scott in the way that you're describing her. Yeah, no, that's the difference. I I feel like you know it's not even just the it's not just the trained uh not being a trained vocalist, but it's just she is. It's almost like spoken word with her still. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when you look at her, you could see she's telling that story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's what stands out the most for me. Like when she smiles, she kind of nods her head with like, you know, you get it. You know, and I'm like, yeah, I get it. Right. You know, right. so it's like she just brings you along whatever journey she's on. I, I really dig that. Yeah. What I like about her is when she she loves to eat and she loves to cook and mm. she she shares that with us in her music. Right. Yeah. And so whenever she talks about it in her songs, I can see her in the kitchen. I can, you know, even even when she got slapped by James Brown, I could still see her. I saw her then as a strong, strong black woman, right? Mm. Doing all of these things. And she she embraces sexuality. And what I love about her, despite her size, she embraces sexuality and she says, I am woman. And she mm-hmm. makes you want her. She makes you oh well, at least she makes me want her. So maybe <laughs> I'm just <laughs> maybe I'm just talking about me. So <laughs> so um how old were you when you started this whole thing? I know you're not you don't you don't have to share your age, but I'm just curious to know like you know when when did you discover you had this love for this thing? Um the like I think it was when I was 14 like uh it was my my cousin's boyfriend, he had like a little studio set up and he's like, "Oh, I have some beats, let's do something." And I was like and mm-hmm. I always wrote and he's like, "I know you sing." So we just did it. it was I remember we were in Brooklyn and this you know, basement, uh, mm-hmm. apartment. And it was just fun going over it. And you just wanted to perfect it. You wanted it to be better. And I was like, oh, this is what they do. This is cool. Like, I don't like, you know, like, scratch that. Let's do this again. Scratch that. Let's, and I just love the takes. I love the, like, the, the art of not even, I want to say it's perfection because it's mm-hmm. not perfecting. It's not really mm-hmm. perfection per se, but it's just like really getting, like capturing the right emotion, capturing the right sound, capturing, you know, and it was just, uh, 
I, I never stopped. Never, ever stopped. From so it's, it's not perfection. It's you want to get it right. Yeah, it's like right? right. Being right is not perfect. You know what I mean? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, what you want to do is, as you just said, I think you stated it perfectly. You want to capture that emotion. Yeah. You want to capture that emotion. And to some people would call it perfection. But in reality, what they call perfection is what we would say, as you just stated, getting it right. Getting that perfect sound, even if it's a raspy sound. Um, what's his name? Prince would sometimes make a mistake and then would go back to make the mistake again. Yeah. Then he would go back to make the mistake again and again to make it part of the, the, the material. Yep. 100%. And there is, I, I feel like there is perfect. You have the like, you know, classical opera singers, like they are, you know, they're going to get this and nail it. And, you know, and, and there's some people that are also trained and, but they kind of lose the emotion because they're so wrapped up in technical work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just saying this because I'm not one of the best singers in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't strive to be the best singer. I sh- my strive is to kind of get my point across to you. And I want you to kind of like be able to close your eyes and feel like you're there. You know, mm-hmm. um, I've heard singers that are, I mean, when I tell you they can do runs for days, they can mm-hmm. do this for days. And it's like, mm-hmm. you just don't feel that they've actually even experienced what they just sang about. Right. You know, and you kind of want to feel that, uh, that uh, sense of, I don't want to say camaraderie, but like that, that sense of like, we are both going through this the same, you know, at the same time or the same relatable. Way. Thank you. That's the mm-hmm. word, you know, you want to be relatable. Yeah. And, and that's it. So. And I get that in some of your songs. Um, you want to, you want to be your man's hero. That's what yeah. you said in one of your songs. Right. So if you don't mind, can you explain to me what inspired that song? Um, I was okay. So, well, first it's hmm. okay. So first it's how I even start writing in general. Okay. Um, I, I was in Aruba, which was great. That's always a great start to a song. And yeah. um, I was in this beautiful Airbnb that was like really open and airy and it created a beautiful reverb. And I was just like making melodies to this track. And I'm just like, Oh, this sounds nice. It's like a nice flow. So I had the I had the I had the melody down, and whatever kind of first few words that I say, I kind of just go with that. Mm-hmm. And it started with I was waiting for your call. I was waiting to be your hero, and I was like, hmm, what's that about? You know, and I didn't mm-hmm. even know I, it wasn't like a planned thing at all. But I was like. Mm-hmm. And so you just kind of want to go into it. And I'm just like, that does like, you know, that's something that you don't hear often about a girl wanting to kind of be that mm-hmm. person for her man. You know, like yeah. I was waiting for you to, to, to really like realize that I'm here for you to really realize that I, that, you, you know, I'm, I'm ready to take on that responsibility of saving you from yourself, from others, from, you know, like really being that ride or die without just saying I'm your ride or die. Mm-hmm. you know um and it's just like a almost like a playful version of it but at the end of the day it's still kind of like i want to be i want to be what you need the same way i want you to be what i need mm. you want to mirror them to some degree i, yeah. I want to be there for you just like i i just like you want to be there for me i want to be there for you got it 
Got it. So we're working together through all of this. Yep. Lorraine, I'm sorry. I don't want to bump you out of this. I know I can <laughs> talk forever on this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Please jump in. Please jump in. So I wanted to ask you, like, what's your overall goal with your music and your songwriting? Are you um, are you hoping to, like, um, maybe have someone pick up your song and um, take, you know, purchase it or... It, is it just fun for you? What is that? What does that look like for you? Um, that is a great question. Um, so basically, I am a songwriter until I die. Like I've already, I've, I've, I've already figured that out. Like even when I don't want to write, I still write. There was like a time I even named myself the songwriter slave because there was times I did not want to write anymore. I'm like, this doesn't do anything. It's not getting me anywhere. But I'm like, dang, here's my paper. Here's my pen. Let's keep writing. And it's like, I, it's not even a force. It's like you wake up writing, you know? So I already know, hands down, regardless of whatever comes from this, I will always be writing songs mm -hmm. until I can no longer write again. So that's one. I've already accomplished. I already know that. Mm -hmm. um, two... Um, you know, have I written for people? I've written for some local people and I've done work with some uh, like more known people. Um, and, you know, so some people do pick up the songs. Um, I do want to sell more songs, you know, um, in general, like I think that would be great. I don't really fully consider myself an artist, even though sometimes I do like performing, but I'm fickle. Yeah. Um, Sometimes like I had that year that like 2019 was my performance year. I went in and then 2020 happened and said, sit your behind down, you know, you know, so I don't know. I don't know if I would have kept going, you know, because it was actually very fun for me. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I kind of like that behind the scenes role of, you know, just doing. Um, but yeah, I would I would definitely if, if in a perfect world, I would love to have my songs sung by you know people who are really like trying to get out there or be picked up by like you know like a sync uh for movies or you know that's something that I would love to have okay and do you write your arrangements and the lyrics or because I I um, heard that you're you play the guitar and violin so now I'm wondering do you write your musical arrangements to your songs as well or do you get someone else to do that for you or is it a combination of both um, okay, so in re in relations to tr let's say tracks per se, mm -hmm. um, some of the tracks I already like some people already had, and I'm just working around them. So I do do the vocal arrangements. All the vocal mm -hmm. arrangements, obviously, are mine. Um, the melodies and everything. Um, but there are some where they were my songs. Like I actually made everything, you know, from start to finish um, on some of the songs. So uh, I do have that ability. But it's I, I've noticed like I, I try to be honest with myself and say, like, is this really your forte? You want to spend 90 years trying to get this one song when somebody could just do this in five minutes, you know, mm. um, and so you could focus on what you really like to do, which is writing and, and you know, being a studio vocalist. Gotcha. So. And so you <clears throat> so when did you start releasing your music for the to share with the public? What was your um, motivation to do that? So I released something like years ago. I don't even remember how I did that one. But recently, um, I found an app where I can kind of just release and, and uh, kind of keep an eye on the growth, mm -hmm. which was great because the other one is like you released it and you don't even know what you're going to get. You know, I couldn't I don't remember. I really don't even remember where it is. But um, 
I did a couple of songs there and it was nice and I took a break. But then with 2020, once 2020 happened and I, you know, had COVID and I was like, wow, I really could have died. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. everybody was, it was a lot of uncertainty. And then I said, you know, if I, if I actually didn't make it, um, all those songs, like, I know you see, I have like 30 or so songs in my catalog. I have hundreds of songs. I have hundreds of songs and they are just stuck in my computer and I'm just like releasing them here and there. Like, so some of these songs are from like 2008. Some of these songs are from, you know, um, and it's just, I just started releasing more songs because it's better for them to be out in the world you know like say for instance it's over is not a song i it's not even finished it's not a finished song it's not you know that was just like a idea that i just released you know and that you mentioned that you know that's mm-hmm. a song that gravitates so it's like who am i to say that this song isn't good for people mm-hmm. you know the songs that people have been gravitating towards are songs i'd never on a normal in a, a normal mindset would have released they were nowhere near finished they were nowhere you know i wasn't done but I was like, you know what? Am I coming back to this or am I going to trash it? What am I going to do? And, you know, so I just decided to to release it to the world and, and make it a little bit more accessible. So if anything dis- does happen to me, you know, and they don't know my passwords, <laughs> you know, like, that's not it. This is it, you know? Like, I literally have hundreds. You know, this is gold to me, you know? At the end of the day, this is, this is my, um, my gold. You know, mm-hmm. it may not seem valuable to other people, but this is something that I, I may have cried writing this. I may have, you know, like really spent hours trying to perfect a one little sound, you know, that, that, you know, you know, you'll never hear. So I think it's just good for me to get it out and, and like, you know, whatever happens, happens, but I would love for it to be on, um, in movies and I would love for people to sing it. Oh, Got it. Awesome. Got it. It's so really good. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say it's really good that you did start releasing them because that exposure is important for you to meet your goal. Because you, not, like you said, you didn't know that certain songs would gravitate to people. You know, people are looking for stuff all the time, and by being out there, you heighten your chances of being discovered or, um, you know, obtaining those goals. So it sounds like COVID put a lot of things in perspective for you. A hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, and like it, now that I'm saying it out loud, thinking back, the reason I even had uh, a lot of studio time, you know, like the barter system, you know, like because mm-hmm. they needed writers, I needed a, stu- you know, a studio and a producer. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a time where I just started releasing songs just on Facebook back when Facebook was like, you know, the thing. Mm-hmm. And people got, you know, people came to me like, oh, you write this type of stuff? You write pop? perfect come over here I need you to write for this I need you to do this I need so I was doing a lot of studio work but then once you got in there it became like oh we got to keep this private we got to keep this private so I stopped releasing stuff because it was so quote unquote Mm. private and then I kind of fell off the map because I looked like I wasn't doing anything right and I'm like I have no clue if these songs were picked up I don't know anything about you know what I mean so it's like I'm not keeping anything private anymore. I'm a snitch. I'm a snitch. I'm snitching on everything. I'm Takashi right now. Like I'm, I'm getting everything out of here. That's Takashi. I don't care. I don't care what you said. Keep oh this silent. You're going to sue me later. So, you got 30 days. <laughs> like, that's it. So if you don't mind, I want, to, I want you to talk to me about your job as an RN. 
and your mm. time on the front line, if that's okay. Okay. That's all you, fine. Now you said you had uh, COVID for two and a half weeks. Yes. So is that two and a half weeks that you were down and out? Uh, yeah. Well, okay. So basically, um, COVID kind of started hitting the fan in like, I would say February. Even mm-hmm. though like by March, that's when they were like, oh, <laughs> you know, red alert. Right. Um, but it's like we started getting some weird stuff in February, late February. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, let's say March 7th was like the beginning when we realized, okay, people, this is a huge thing. And um, we realized we ran out of gear instantly. Wow. Um, because there were so many, every time you have like a rapid response or every time you have a code blue, which is, you know, cardiac arrest, mm-hmm. um, everyone comes like there's there's ICU nurses there's uh ER doctors there's you know and so what was happening every time someone had to come in they have to put new gear on so they're taking your gear for one patient there might be 10 people 12 people 15 people in this room for this one patient so that's 15 mm-hmm. 15 uh gowns that you now no longer have for the night right you know so we ran out of gear so quick because people were failing at left and right and reusing the gear, I think, was a big uh, catalyst of, like, why we, um, pe- so many of the nurses were getting sick, mm. you know, because you can't reuse gear. Like, there's, like, I don't care what F- uh, what the CDC started saying, like, you're not supposed to reuse, like, there's no proper way to put it back on once you touched it and took right. it off, okay. you know? So you're almost guaranteed, like, it's just kind of like riding a motorcycle. When are you going to get in an accident, you know? Mm. Um, so... You try to be as safe as possible. You try to take off your shoes and the stuff and stay away from people. Um, and one day I was going to work. I was actually doing an extra shift. And as I'm driving, I'm like, cough, cough. I'm like, that's weird. Cough, cough, cough. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm. Got nothing of it. The next day I was virtually dead i was like sunken halfway into my bed my it was sweaty it was horrible like i've had the flu before but this one felt like it was not wet it was dry so you felt like you were drying out wow like almost like but you were still like the outside of you was wet but the inside of you felt dry wow and it was very weird and i was like ah this isn't cool and and i realized you know since i'm a night nurse people are very used to not bothering me. So no one mm. checked on me because they think I'm sleeping from my shift, but I'm downstairs dying, <laughs> like straight up dying. And I'm like, I tell my sister and I'm like, Hey, I think I'm sick, you know? And she's like, yeah, okay, well I'm going out of the, t- I'm, she's like, I'm going out of town. And she just leaves me with oh, these no. kids. <laughs> and so now I'm like on day two, on day t- by day, like one and a half, two, mm-hmm. um, she's gone like she's somewhere she 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 had she was like i'm seeing my 50 states I, you know like like she wanted to see the 50 states and i was like during covid she was seeing all these states i was like oh my god <laughs> so um she leaves me with these kids i have one daughter and then you know she has her kids and i'm downstairs no one's bringing me water i had no water for like a day and a half <laughs> no food like it was just and then I hear, I, I'm in the basement, so I hear everybody, like, running amok upstairs. I said, there's anarchy up there. I just know it. And I just, I, mm-hmm. I crawled out of my bed. And I was like, okay, I have to kind of keep control of this 
this house. I'm the only adult here. And um, while I went upstairs, my, my daughter's like, I can't smell anything. My, my uh, niece was like, I can't taste anything. So I was like, you know, what are we watching? We, we're just, we're all sick. We're all done. And I think the fact that my sister wasn't there really helped me. Because mm-hmm. if she was, if she was there and was able to bring me stuff and do for me, I would have not have moved. And that was like mm-hmm. the biggest thing. You had to get up. You had to move. You had to get up. And that's the bad part about being in a hospital with COVID. Like you can't really move that much because they won't let you out the room, Mm -hmm. you know? So I was like, once I realized all of us probably had COVID, I definitely got tested and I I was positive, but you know, so Mm -hmm. we had, we had a whole regimen. Like we had to stand outside in the sun. We had to walk around in the backyard, you know, get some vitamin D. We had Mm -hmm. this soup with garlic, ginger, thyme, all this fun stuff that that helps Mm -hmm. with, um, you know, anti-inflammation and stuff. And, uh, we did chest PT. We all sang. I made everyone sing. Because, like, whatever you can do to move your lungs, whatever you could do to mm-hmm. take that deep breath. So we were listening to, oh, wow. to um, Whitney Houston, you know. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> we were singing, and I will always love you. We were, like, going in, you know. Um, right. We had karaoke pretty much. Um, so it was actually a, a kind of a fun time. It turned into a more fun time um, because, like, but it was it was so scary. But I just you know being the fact that I had to take care of them, it kind of took the focus off of me. Okay. Um. And the, but the first three days, the first three days, I was like, okay, I don't know what to do. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen because we were taking care of our own nurses. We were taking care of our own doctors in there. So who's mm-hmm. to say I'm not about to check in? Mm-hmm. Who's to say mm-hmm. I'm not about to check out? You know, I was like, oh shoot. You know, so I'm. I was just I, like. Even though my, as I said, even though my sister left and it was so grimy, oh my God, mm. <laughs> the timing just was not good. Right. And I think it, it was for the best, it was for the best for me because I had to get up and I had to move and I had to do stuff. So it kind of kept me moving. Um, and I, I, I'm happy. I'm, I made it through. I made it through. My uncle, unfortunately, didn't. Okay. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like everybody, you know, to some degree was impacted, like some family or friend. Um, you know, was was definitely impacted by COVID, and you know, it was just a very tough journey. A very tough journey. Well, first, I want to just thank you um, for being one of the heroes and staying on the front line, um, given the emotional toll that the pandemic had um, on the hospital system, and seeing the amount of death that you all saw. What encouraged you, or helped, or made you stay in the field? Because a lot of nurses and medical professionals checked out of that field um, for different reasons. What motivated you to continue? Um, so, okay. It was, it was very, it was very um, conflicting. It was very conflicting because, you know, when I was nursing, when I was actually like in the hospital before I got sick, I'm going back, you know, going like, oh, you don't even, it's tunnel vision. You're just like, I just got to do it. I just got to do it. I just got to do it. You know, you keep walking into the fire. This is, I used to be a firefighter um, back in the day. And wow. Oh, wow. Okay. It was kind of similar. It was, it was mm-hmm. similar to like walking into a burning building. Mm-hmm. My gear was my, my, my scrubs were literally my, uni- my, my, my gear. And once you put that on, you knew you had to go in, you had to go in. You didn't want to, but you had to. Um, but when I was out, when I was sick, I had time to actually look around and kind of see like what, what regular people are seeing mm-hmm. and they don't see much. You don't see the death and destruction. Like 
it's literally like you you see birch chirping and you know like yes mm-hmm. things were closed but you don't see death you don't see anything people dying in the street this was not the plague like you know back where people were singing ring around the rosy you know um so it was like it, i saw both worlds and i liked mm-hmm. the world of of uh uh being oblivious like i i like that world that was a nice world you know but i knew the truth mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. It's, it was very it was very conflicting um i they were and, and and the funny thing is like well not funny but there were times where they were offering so much money more money than i've ever seen per hour mm-hmm. minus a, a a surgeon or a, a you know an attorney or you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and you're still looking at it and you're like, nah, I'm good. Right. Like that's when you realize your life is more important than this little hourly, this huge hourly rate. Like people yeah. were being offered gold, silver, platinum, diamonds, trips to Dubai, everything in the world. And they were like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I stay home. I'm not, I'm not volunteering to die, right. but I'll do my shift, you know? And that's when you started taking life into perspective. A lot of people were leaving to do the travel nursing because they still got their, they still did their hours. They didn't do any more hours, but they got paid more. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, something that did kind of keep me in the, in the running was uh, they actually had, um, my job had a, sent out an email saying like, oh, does anybody want to sing something for Thanksgiving? <laughs> and I was like, how? How oh do you want God. me to yeah, I was like, how do you want me to sing something with my mask, with my three masks on? What do you want me to sing? So I was about right. to exit out. But right before I exited, I was like, you know what? I haven't sang, I haven't even spoken in months, you know? Mm. So you know what? I do want to sing. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Like, even it was like that small little gesture, like, I do. I don't know how. I don't know how I have the time, but I, I want to. And I kind of made that time. And it was like a virtual concert. And they had like Mary J. Blige singing virtually. They had um, Aaron Burr from Hamilton, the guy who played, I forgot his name, but he mm-hmm. was singing. Um, and it was like a really nice, con- it was like a really cute concert. I'm like, oh, that was nice. You know, like it gave you, it gave you some type of a hint of normalcy, just a little mm-hmm. bit. And then months pass, a couple months pass, and then we get um, another email. Hey, you guys want to go on America's Got Talent? Mm. like what do you mean like what does this mean like you know so the, the mm-hmm. like they they auditioned people again and the people who got through became part of a choir that our hospital from our hospital that we competed and we went on america's got talent and we actually got the golden buzzer it was you know an amazing experience mm-hmm. um and that was something that definitely kept me in the loop like that like I got to see more normalcy we still had to work when we weren't doing it you know what I mean so it wasn't like oh you got you know completely away from everything but um it was still it was motivating I got to sing again I got to be in studios I got to you mm-hmm. know be on stage so you kind of it was it was that's what kept me really what kept me going because I honestly don't know what I would have done if that didn't come if that didn't come at the time that it did I don't know what I would have done. I I would have probably, I, maybe I would have found another profession. So it sounds like you weren't just fighting for your physical health. Sounds like you were also, to some degree, at least fighting for your sanity. Oh, yeah. You know, what to do, what, you know, 
to um, should I go to work? Uh, did you ever contemplate quitting your job because of COVID? Um, the way the tr- okay, so there's a thing that they do when let's say a lot of people are dying at once, right? Mm-hmm. Like if there's a huge um, let's say like even nine eleven or like a huge issue or a huge uh, damn, lack of a better word because I'm tired. Um, <laughs> like, uh, like if something happens where everybody, where you start have to, you have to triage people, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. You begin choosing who will go to the ICU and who you will let not go for. Mm. And that's what made me not want to stay. Wow. Okay. That was like the hardest part for me because I just didn't they never they didn't really sit nurses down to consult but we were the ones taking the brunt of it and I was just mm-hmm. like what the heck yeah why did you do this you know like you just there's right. so many things that you just don't understand and mm-hmm. it was just like you you have a lot of debriefing in, in your head and like what could I have done to stop this what could I have done you know you don't know and it's just it's that's when it seemed hopeless. That's when it seemed hopeless, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, you have patients in there and, you know, they're taking off their masks because they, they even with a hundred percent oxygen, they still can't breathe, oh you know, God. and you're going into their room. You're like, put your mask on, please. You're doing chest PT. And it looks like I'm beating this patient up. It looks like I'm literally torturing them, but mm-hmm. I am trying to move their lungs, move their lungs, you know, and I'm just like, it's just so much just the running in and out, like, it was inevitable for me to get it. It was inevitable. Like I, the amount of times that I had to go into patients room like minutes after because they're mm. like either they I don't know if it was like voluntarily trying to die or, you know, they really couldn't breathe, you know. And so it was just like you had to keep going back and forth and just to see, you know, like some people how some as I said, some people made it to the ICU. Some people didn't. And I guess once they realized like people weren't surviving in the ICU, it was like they had to come up with a different tactic. Like, was it even worth them bringing to the ICU? You know, and it was just like, ah, that was that was a lot for me. That was a lot for everybody. And I, I actually wrote a song. I actually wrote a song about it. Um, And it was actually sold to or the right. The, the licensing was sold to the hospital. Mm-hmm. and that they may be releasing it i don't know when but we actually recorded it and everything with the choir and mm-hmm. it may be coming out soon um mm-hmm. so that's like that's one of my that's that's my masterpiece that song was my masterpiece and i can't wait for it to come out okay awesome so through all of that then your music was still your therapy 100 percent. 100 percent. and because you said that without it you don't think you would have made it no, I don't think I would have. No. Yeah. And because I would have to imagine, you know, uh, me, I got, you know, I was told, we were initially told we couldn't go home. Then a few days later, they told us we could go home. And I've been home ever since. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at, I'm looking at people like you on the news every day. And I can't imagine what that must have been like. And even hearing it, you know, it's, it sounds like one of those movies you see on, uh, you know, in the movies, like 28 Days Later, mm. you know, just minus the zombies. That's what, that's what it really sounds like in your description. No, the really. zombies were there. <laughs> the wow. zombies were there. Like, wow. They were just in the beds. Oh, gotcha. Wow. So it was, gotcha. it was, it was another, it was a different world. It was a different world. And you were just, and 
they there were people in there, you know, mm-hmm. but they were turning into something that was not, you know, it was just oh, just watching people just transform so quickly, and it was the speed that they, the speed that they deteriorated. Mm-hmm. And you had families like the fathers on the on one floor, the moms on another floor, the kids are in another hospital. Oh my god! You know, everybody's separated, and you know, it was just like no, <laughs> like you're just like no, this isn't real, this isn't real, you know, and you're just. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, the deterioration was the speed of the deterioration in the beginning was second to n- I've never, I've never, and I hope I never see it again. So being a mother, you know, how are you dealing with this? And I'm guessing, correct me if I'm wrong, and I apologize for, for putting you on the spot with this, but you're a single mother. Is that right? Now I am. Yes. Okay. So how are you dealing with this, you know, with your daughter? Um, you know, like being able to spend time with her versus going to work. And also, too, I'm sure you had the fear of bringing something home to her as well. Um. Yes. Well, so I live in a progressive house. Um, I live with mm-hmm. my sister and our okay. children. So we're kind of like our little partners. Okay. Um. But minus the time she left me to go out to another state. But nonetheless, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what type of partner, you know. Oh, but, um, <laughs> but, you still was, love her, right? Yeah, oh, I'll, do, I'll do anything for her. Okay. Um, the thing was, it was even though, okay, so we were all, we were all essential people. Mm. All mm. of us were essential. So we were all, we all, both, both of us had to be out. Both of us had to kind of be out and about. And throughout, they were, they were telling everybody else they could stay home, except the kids. They were sending the kids to school forever. Oh my God. So even if I did everything in my due diligence, somebody's mm. coughing in my daughter's face. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, right. you don't right. know what's good. like, we, like, when it happened, honestly, it could have come from anywhere. It right. could literally have come from anywhere. Um, the goal was, you know, just when you're in the house, stay in the house. Don't go running around. Like, you know, just try to, if it happens, let it be because we did something we had to do instead mm-hmm. of like a leisure, like, you know, just chill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. It was, we had a little bit of confrontation with that because it's like, you know, like, I know you want to enjoy your life, but I also want to keep enjoying life. Mm-hmm. Of course. So, of course. <laughs> like, can yeah. we keep the, you know, yes, fun so times right. to the minimum, please? Right. Um, you know, so, but yeah, it, it was really difficult. The only, the great thing is I, as a nurse, I work usually three days out of the week. Um, mm-hmm. So I had that time, you know, to spend overall. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and once after COVID, I, I was not taking any extra shifts. So I was like, F your shifts. I'm doing what I need to do to not get fired at this point, because I feel like that one day, that one day that I took that extra shift and I was like, cough, cough. Mm. That was like PTSD, you know, like, yeah. oh, mm-hmm. this, this is right. what happens when you want money, when you choose money over life. I was like, oh, right. oh, choose life, choose life, choose life, I choose life. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing is I do hear you, you're able to laugh about it, but I'm pretty sure at that, t- well, I know at that time you were going through a lot of trauma oh, and a yeah. lot of stress, you know, and I don't know if you hear this often or not, or at all even, because it's something that's usually, usually reserved for the military. But, you know, we have to thank you for your service. Mm. We have to say thank you for your service. You know, we don't we don't have a clue up until now what it is you're actually dealing with. And, you know, having having your music as an outlet was a relief to a degree, I'm sure. But still, at the end of the day, you're putting your life at risk every day. A hundred percent. But thank yeah, you. I so, really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I did say you are brave. 
uh, also said you were sweet. Don't mess with her. I, <laughs> I just sensed that from you. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So I think I got that right. Now, um, let's see. Okay. You said you studied violin for six years. So if you studied violin, no one just picks up the violin and starts playing. So who was supporting you at that point? Um, well, I got that through uh, school, per se. Oh, okay. And, right. um, but it was, it was actually kind of fun how I learned. Like, obviously, we learned, like, the rest of them. But mm-hmm. um, I realized that I played by ear way okay. better than I read. Really? Yes. And so I you got... had that gift to play a violin by ear? Yes. And, um, yeah, so I was, I, I got really, like, high up in the chairs um mm-hmm. without even looking at the music and then I started getting cocky I was I was that cocky person it was bad mm-hmm. it was bad yeah. so <laughs> so it was like okay so technically I could have been first chair right okay but the reason I couldn't be first chair was if you're not reading you're not getting the bowing right because the mm-hmm. bowing is in the reading so sometimes it's two up bows, three, you know, like down bows, you know, so you have to. So I told her, I was like, I don't want first chair. I want third chair because that means I sit right behind first chair and I'm just following his bow pattern oh, and okay. I'm good. Okay. So it was like that was the way I could cheat. So the gotcha. first, so I was like, I, I was like, I don't feel like reading. Like, I know how, but I read like, you know, maybe like a third grader now these days. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, it was just so much easier. So the first, I remember my my orchestra teacher. She um, she uh, what did she do? Oh, I'm they're, they're like whipping out a new song, right? Whipping out a new mm-hmm. song, and everyone's playing. And she's like, Sydney, why aren't you playing? Why aren't you playing? I'm like, no, no, no. Just, I'm just listening. I want to listen. Can I listen, please? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and <laughs> it was like, so I just wanted to listen and I'm just looking, I'm looking at it, but I'm just, I'm looking at the, the notes, but I'm just listening more. And so then the next time she plays and I'm playing with all the emotion, like I've known this song forever. And she's like, oh, oh. So she realized I play by ear. So then she, yeah. then it became a thing. Like I could do whatever I wanted because she knew I could, you know, so I was like, yeah. oh, this is great. So that yeah, so, that was the one person I got away with. <laughs> okay, okay. So wait, let me ask you this: for the benefit of me, especially, but also our audience, explain what is up bow and down bow when it comes to a violin. Um, okay, so you're holding a bow in your hand, and mm-hmm. um, and you're holding like in your right hand, you're holding the bow. The left hand, you're holding the the neck of the violin, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And you're you're using your fingers to play the notes. So you go up. And down, like kind of like you're sawing the bow, like you're sawing wood with the mm-hmm. bow. Sure. So sometimes you might want to go like, um, uh, let's see. Yeah, sometimes if you want to have like a different sound, you might go up, up, you know, because it kind of sounds like staccato, like instead of like it's like it kind of changes this the way it sounds. Okay. Um, and it and it can add more emphasis when you finally go down. Hmm. You okay. know, because like you're you're putting more power in the down because you went up twice and now you have like the bow is higher up and then yeah so it's like it's just really like um the emphasis it helps with emphasizing a note. Mm. Okay, all right, got it, got it. And guitar, how did you, how did you um get Learn. to the guitar? Uh, you play okay. that by ear also. I learned that on my own, and okay, so self-taught. Okay, my mother. She bought me this Korg Triton because I was into like, you know, making sampling and, and everything. Mm-hmm. And she got me this Korg Triton and it, 
it, there was a promotion and it came with a free guitar. I had no intentions on ever having a guitar. Okay. None. And um, I broke my foot or I hurt something, a part of my foot. And mm-hmm. so I couldn't really move around. And it hurt when I sat up. Like I, when I was sitting in the seat, it, was, it just hurt. So I couldn't really play the piano because you have to sit upright. Right. So I got the guitar and they had tuned it for me. And I was just like playing the, the guitar. Like I felt like I was playing the blues because I was stuck in the bed. Like, no. Nah. <laughs> and then one day I'm listening to Tracy Chapman, um, mm-hmm. Careful of My Heart. And I'm listening to it and I'm just holding the guitar and I'm singing along with it. And then I found the first note, then I found the second note, I found the third, and I, I just kind of got the whole thing. So I'm okay. like, okay, I got this. That's a, okay, it's not the hardest song, but it's not the easiest song. Okay. Can I sing and play? And in that moment, and I know I was definitely high on Vicodin, <laughs> but in that moment, I was able to sing and play the guitar along with Tracy Chapman. And wow. I called my homegirl who sings. I said, get over here now. I can sing and play the guitar. We have to learn this song immediately. Mm-hmm. And she came and we learned. We got the harmonies down. And we actually played at Ashford and Simpson. <laughs> like, we played this, like, we went, <laughs> we went out. I was like, oh, my God, I can do this. You know? Am I the best guitarist? Far from it. Oh, my God, mm-hmm. the furthest, the furthest. But I'm okay with getting on stage if I, if I have a song that I wrote. I'm okay with being on stage and, like, playing the chords that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, could I learn more? Yeah. But other than that, like I, <laughs> I can definitely get my point across, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like speaking Spanish to someone who doesn't really speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, I don't, I'm not going to play around, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Jimi Hendrix or anything, but like, right. You know, I can get my point across and that's good enough. Okay. That's awesome. And it helps with songwriting. It helps so much with songwriting, especially if you don't have like tracks to like kind of gear your creative juices. Like you have Mm -hmm. just like, because four notes can be played so many different ways. It's like, what type of combination is this, you know? And Mm -hmm. you can make so many songs to these notes. And if you add a capo, God, the sky's the limit. Yeah, I'm sorry, if you add a what? A capo, where it's like, it kind of changes the key of the guitar. So like, you just, you're you're able to kind of do you you could just make more songs knowing the same notes, you know, the same, you know, whatever, whatever uh, chords, you know, you yeah. put a capo on and it just sounds like a completely different song now. Mm. So it's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So violin, guitar, and you have oodles of fun with the guitar. Yeah. Um, currently you're independent. Yes. What's next, Sydney? Um... What is next? That is a great question. Um, I've become very, I've become definitely more inclined, as I said, with releasing songs. And um, my genres are, are always going to be different every time. Every song is different. Mm-hmm. Every song is different. Um, okay. But yeah, my goal is to really just get back into the studio, really um, kind of push and maybe perform more to kind of get more people involved and, and, uh, maybe get like a manager because <laughs> that's that's not that's not my forte my forte is like i just make music i make you art. create the art i make art i don't mm-hmm. but i also need to start working on networking um that's like a big thing um that's my challenge my personal challenge mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. networking and really kind of taking it taking control 
of it, you know, and not just blaming the fact that I don't know how to, mm-hmm. you know, but really like just taking control over my creative future. Like, what do I want to do? How do I want to push this out? You know, they have apps, they have uh, sites like Taxi, okay. where you could actually upload your song. So there's like, you know, think about all the song. think about all the things on Netflix and all the things on um, the, the TV, like every little thing that they have has like they might one one reality show, one Real Housewives episode might have 40 songs in it, snippets yeah. of like songs. Yeah. These songs were submitted to them, you know, and so Taxi is one of the avenues. There's a bunch of avenues, but I know that one um, where like it could be a new movie. It could be a it could be a major movie, you know, like people go mm-hmm. on and they just need to find something that fits that. Um, so, yeah, so that's one avenue. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other avenue would be like having somebody really try to work in, on you getting sync deals. Sync um, deals. Explain that. What is like that? A, like synchronization license so like that's like if you want like if you wanted to get it on movies like the same thing as taxi the 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 website yeah movies are looking for you and this time you if you send somebody out you know they could actually try to get movies to kind of pick you up without being on that site okay all right so everything that you're doing is it sounds like you you love being independent so if a record label was want to come and pick you up it sounds like to me you would be dictating what it is you want before you would sign on the dotted line. Am I right in that? Um, as long as I still get to record and do whatever I want, because guess what? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing whatever I want now. Mm-hmm. You know, you may not have to pick up. I may not put it out, you know, but if let's say hypothetically speaking, what you just said came, came to me, you know, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're like, Oh, you can only write pop. All right. I'll only write pop with you. I'll still, you know, do what I want in the comfort of my own home because it's. I, I like to entertain myself. I'm, I'm, I, I'm very entertained by my songs. Okay, you know, so I'm okay. <laughs> All right. Um, and if it means that there's a higher chance of me getting myself, getting my stuff, even you know, more out there, I'll take that chance. You know. Mm-hmm. So um, your music is also therapeutic for you. Is what I just heard you say. A hundred percent. Okay, and you will not be restricted by a record company or a record deal. No, no. Okay. Okay. Like, even if it is restrict, you know, like, say, for instance, like, okay, I'm a nurse, right? Mm-hmm. So I can't really be on OnlyFans. But, like, I can still do what I want in my cup of my home as long as I'm not, you know, making a bad name for them. No? I know that's like, oui, oui. really, oui, oui, really like a weird, <laughs> weird analogy. But, like, you know, like, you don't want to, like, you can't. Don't ask. Don't ask. But, like, okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to you know make them look bad per se but it's like you can still like you you can still do what you want to do at the end of the day it's just okay. kind of in moderation mm-hmm. and not publicly you know so as long as I'm okay with doing stuff like for myself musically mm-hmm. I'm, I'm okay okay all right do you have a dream record label like when you started doing this you know um, a lot of people well, I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but uh, maybe you had a dream record label that you wanted to sign, someone you wanted to sign with. Did you have no. that? No? no. Okay. Mm-mm. So it really just came down to you being able to continue to be who you are, and no matter who you're with. Yep. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. So this guitarist, this violinist, 
this vocalist, this songwriter, and this nurse has shared her life doing this, has almost sacrificed her life doing this for others as well. Uh, we thank you this morning uh, for coming on with us, especially after working a uh, fifth day, 12 and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we really appreciate you coming on. Um, I told you this before, and I'm going to share this with you again. I think I'm going to be in contact with you regarding this music thing. Okay. If, if that's all right. By all I, got, means. I, I know I got some more offline questions for you. <laughs> so, um, but I do want to thank you again for coming on with us. And I look Anytime. forward to speaking with you in the future. Same here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm going to definitely try to look, listen to this later to make sure I wasn't dreaming. <laughs> it's happened before oh i'm like <laughs> oh my god <laughs> like, like, questions i didn't even think of i don't know so you know oh my god but i definitely you thank you so much, much for away. having me <laughs> no, we thank you for coming on we thank you for coming on i i appreciate you saying yes like i said earlier i love a woman that doesn't say no <laughs> so. there you go Oh, um, Lady Lorraine, I want to thank great. you again. Yes, I want to thank you again, Miss Boss, for coming on with us today on such short notice. Um, it is really appreciated. And I don't know if you hear, I'm sure you hear thank yous enough. I don't know if you hear I love yous enough. So I love you, Lorraine, <laughs> okay, for coming Aww. on with us. I love you for uh, being a day oneer, as I call it. From, mm-hmm. from the start of this podcast up until now. And we're just going to uh, clean house a little bit, um, which is, this is usually where Antonio comes in. So he better get his act together. You know, mm. get up off that sick bed, Jeremy. I hope um, he feels better. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. sure he will. I'm sure he will. I chatted with him a little bit this, uh, earlier. So he seemed to be doing a little bit better, just has a coffee he has to get rid of. Mm. So um, we're going to pray him into good health. And, you know, he'll be he'll be back next week. And then I'm pretty sure um, just to thank our sister, Lorraine, we're going to bring her back just for the fun of it, (laughs) (laughs) just for the fun of it. Um, But sharing is caring. Please don't keep us to yourselves. Don't keep us a secret. Tell a friend. Email us the gospel truth. Oh, man, I forgot to go on email. The gospel truth. No BS at Gmail dot com. That's the gospel truth no bs at gmail.com also too the g6 summit will be dropping a new episode you'll be hearing from us this wednesday uh, i believe it drops at 8 a.m on wednesday is that right 8 a.m that's it okay and also too you can check out my brothers the okay podcast that is ob1 and k boog they usually drop new episodes on mondays you can check them out and see what they're talking about tomorrow um we usually end with a quote that is my brother's responsibility and he did although he's not here he gave me a quote to share with us today um y'all just gotta give me a doggone minute to find it it's from (laughs) bob marley oh my god he's gonna kill me he's gonna kill me (laughs) Mm -mm. don't tell him don't tell him this happened lorraine you know he gonna listen so you know you're (laughs) supposed to be ready (laughs) Uh, so while you're looking for that quote i'm gonna share a quote Sure, go ahead. There's a quote that I actually have tattooed on my arm, and it's, ah, the trouble okay. is, you think you have time. 
And it's a Buddha quote, it's a Buddhist quote. And it definitely reminds me every single time I don't feel like doing anything. You know, what's your time? You have a very time on this earth, you know, so make the best of it. Do what you have to do. Do what makes you happy. Do what's necessary, but focus on what makes you happy. Because at the end of the day, this is it. (laughs) You know, like, what did you do for yourself? What did you do for the world? Amen. Good stuff. Did that buy you some time? Yes. Yes. Okay, I found it soon as you started talking about it. I thank you. I thank you for buying the time. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I love that quote. Um, one good thing about music, when it hits you, you feel no pain. One good thing about music, when it hits you, you feel no pain. That is from Bob Marley. Again, we thank you all, ladies, for joining us this morning. We thank our audience for listening to us. Sydney, we thank you for blessing us with your, um, your story, your experience, your presence. Thank you. With that being said, thank you all for joining the Gospel Truth today. God bless. <laughs>